standing, turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. If you need a Bible, there's some back there near the offering box. Notes are on the back of your bulletin. Luke chapter 11, when demons encounter a powerful Jesus. For the next two weeks, we are going to deal with the topic of spiritual warfare. A lot in the Bible about Satan and demons. It's important we have an accurate biblical balanced perspective of this very important topic. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 14. Now he, Jesus, was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke. Do you know demons can cause physical issues? When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, he knows your thoughts today, can't hide anything from the Lord, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons. I love that. Finger of God can cast out a demon. <laughs> Just the finger. Boop. Gone. I love it. I love it. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he, say stronger than he, attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, there can be an unclean spirit in a person. Some of you may have an unclean spirit in you. May God exit that today. It passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. We bind, rebuke, and command any demons that would in any way hinder this message. Be gone in Jesus' name. Pray the name, blood, and cross of Christ over this time. Believing you, God, to set the captives free even in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You can be seated. Today we talk about spiritual warfare. It's an important topic. It's a challenging topic. It's a practical topic. It's an often misunderstood topic. It's one which is so important that we have a biblical, accurate, balanced perspective of. In the classic book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters, in the introduction of that book, he says, Satan himself would like Christians to fall into one of two extremes. The one extreme is to completely ignore him and live as if he doesn't exist. That's where most of us live. The other extreme is to blame him for everything and to think he's responsible for everything. Neither is biblically balanced. Both of those are what Satan himself would love you to fall into. We want to have a biblical, accurate understanding. So we're going to spend two weeks on this. Four points today from Luke 11. Point number one, we are in a spiritual battle. 
If you are not aware that you are in a spiritual battle, then you're probably not either, either you don't have a very good understanding of what the Bible says, or you're really not living strongly for Jesus. This passage makes it clear, and so do many others, that we're in a spiritual battle. In this passage, he talks about the two kingdoms. Doesn't make sense that I would cast out Satan by the power of Satan, because that would be a kingdom divided. Colossians 1 says, when you're saved, you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. If you're not saved today, you are demon-possessed. You're owned by Satan. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. In terms of your spirit, there's no middle ground. You're either a, a child of Satan or you're a child of God. That's what the Bible says. In Ephesians 6, it says our battle is not against flesh and blood. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, Satan is the God, little g, of this world. So if you want to explain why so much stuff is happening that's happening in our world today, it's because there's this little g God of this world called Satan and demons. So let me share with you what I call a biblical worldview. There is the realm of God at the top, there's the realm of angels and demons in the middle, and there's the realm of people at the bottom. Most people live with the excluded middle. They exclude the middle from their life. They know about the realm of God and they know about the realm of people where we live here, but they're kind of ignorant of the realm of angels and demons. Paul said in Corinthians, we are not ignorant of his devices. Are you ignorant of his devices? There may be some areas of your life that you're going to discover in the next two weeks that you've been struggling with, wrestling with, you can't get victory over because it's demonic. Maybe you've never considered that before. I'm praying that God opens the eyes of your heart to see the root cause of some of these things in our lives. Listen, Jesus didn't die, suffer, and bleed for you to live in bondage. It's high time we learn what He did for us, we learn a biblical worldview, and we fight for our victory because Jesus wants you to live in victory. But we have this spiritual battle... This is a biblical worldview. We'll explain it a little bit more later, but I want to say this, and this is worth writing down. We live in the lower realm, we battle in the middle realm, and victory comes from the upper realm. Come on. We live in the bottom realm, we battle in the middle ground, and we have victory because of what's true at the top of this diagram. So we live in the lower realm, battle in the middle realm, victory comes from the upper realm. Number two, Satan is out to destroy. In verse 14, a demon made this person mute. Does that mean that all physical issues are demonic? No, but probably more are than we realize. And I would always rather cover a base and not need to than to need to and not cover it. It's like the story of the blind pitcher in, in Major League Baseball. Not that there is one, this is not a true story. A blind pitcher. And before he would throw to home, he'd always look to first, look to second, look to third. And they finally said, there's nobody on base. And he says, well, if there is, I want to make sure I've covered it. I'm going to make sure they know that I'm looking at them if they are there. And I think in many ways we need to make sure that we at least consider the fact that the issues in our life could be because of that middle realm of the demonic. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10 Jesus said, the thief, that's Satan, he wants to steal your eternity by keeping you unsaved. After that, he wants to steal your joy, steal your identity, steal your progress, steal your holiness, steal your marriage, steal your money, steal your family, 
Steal your influence. Kill your relationships. Kill your peace. Kill your ministry. Kill your biblical convictions. Kill a church. He wants to destroy your health. Destroy your fruit. Destroy your emotions. Destroy your obedience. Destroy your growth. Destroy your morals and beliefs and a sense of right and wrong. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's after you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to make you miserable. He hates you. Satan hates you. And the more you live for Jesus, the more he hates you. And the, one of the ways he works is that he lures us with candy bars. He'll say, if you eat this, it'll taste so good. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Moses chose to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He makes sin pleasurable, enjoyable. He'll lure you in with what tastes good. Would anybody take a bite of this candy bar if I told you that inside of it is a bunch of dog poop? That's how Satan lures you in. He makes sin very attractive. He makes living for the flesh very appealing. He will make it taste good, but the end is the result, is the end is the way of death. All things seem right to a man, but its end is the way of death. 1 Peter 5:8, your enemy, the devil. Now look at this, because this is what people always ask, well, how, why is Satan described like a lion when Jesus is the lion? It says he prowls around like. Did you catch the word like? He's not a true lion. He counterfeits everything that's of God. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he will appeal to you as if he is God, as if he can give you happiness, as if he can give you joy. Just drink this stuff. Just take this pill. It'll give you a high. But what does it lead to? It leads to addictions. It leads to strongholds. And it leads to death. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. All the stuff going on in our world today with the trans and the morality issues and the lawlessness and churches compromising the Word. You want to know who's behind all that? It's Satan and demons. When you try to explain these things rationally, there is no explanation. It's demonic. We need to see it for what it is. You don't fight demonic issues with the flesh. If, 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 a, if a demon is ultimately behind something, you need to get to the source. In this passage, they could have assumed that this person's inability to speak was merely a physical issue. Take him to doctors. Take him to specialists. Again, there's a place for that. Don't go to one of two extremes. Don't blame Satan for everything. You don't put gas in your car. You run out of gas on I-20. It's not a demon. Get a five-gallon container of gas. Go to Quick Trip. Get gas, put it in your car. Then it'll run. Don't, you can pray all day that demons be cast out of your car. But if you don't put gas in it and you run out, it's not a demon. So not everything's demonic. We need balance. We need discernment. But if it is demonic, you need to deal with the source. You don't put a Band-Aid on a cancerous tumor. You got a cancerous tumor, you put a Band-Aid on it, how good is that going to do? You got to do surgery. You get to the source. So this is where my three diagrams, the circle diagrams, three circles is so helpful. We are spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is the deepest part of us. Spirit is the eternal part of us. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then our physical body. When you get, before you're saved, your spirit is dead in transgression and sin. 
You're separated from God. You're possessed by the evil one. You're owned by Satan before you're saved. But when you get saved, watch the next diagram. What happens? Look at the Spirit circle. You get the Holy Spirit. You get a new nature. Ephesians 1.13 says you are sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. Satan cannot touch your spirit if you're saved. You hear that? He cannot enter your spirit if you are saved. If you're not saved today, he already owns your spirit. So the big question is always, how much can demons affect born-again believers? They cannot possess you, they cannot own you, because you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, but they certainly can get a place in your mind, will, and emotions and body if you allow them. Do not give the devil a place, Ephesians 4. The word there is topos in the Greek, from which we get topography, real estate. So your picture a house with property. The house is your spirit, the inner circle. He cannot enter your house in the sense of your spirit. But you have property. You have a fenced-in backyard. If you have a crack in that fence and you sin and give place to the enemy, he can get a place on your property if you allow him. So some Christians think, oh, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm good, right? Satan can't touch me. If you allow him a place, he can. So this is a good, accurate description of the degree to which demons can affect a believer. Cannot touch your spirit, cannot enter your spirit, but they can affect your mind if you look at porn, hello? They can affect your emotions if you give in to a spirit of fear, hello? 2 Timothy 1.7. Why does 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 take every thought captive? That's in the context of spiritual warfare, by the way. So if your mind gives in to sin and if your emotions give in to things that are not of God, and especially your will, if you habitually sin, if you violate God's Word, you will reap what you sow. And so, and then He can affect your physical body. He can attack you physically. So what are some common ways in which people can give place to the enemy? You might want to take a picture of this and meditate on it later, but here are some common ways that Satan can gain a place in a person's life. Ancestral sin. If there's a, 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 a sin in your lineage, there's a pattern of adultery, pattern of pornography, pattern of being deceitful, those can transfer to you unless you take that ground back. Satan works on a legal system. If, if he's given legal ground, then he can legally be there, but we're going to give you the way to get victory today. Any involvement in the occult. Victoria, you talked about this in your testimony. You gave place to the enemy through occult practices. If you mess with things like a Ouija boards, horoscopes, fortune telling, that's giving a place to the enemy. You just opened a gate in your life and you allowed demons on your property through those activities. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. You violate God's Word, you violate His holy standard, and you give place to the enemy. Sin. Repeated sin. That's where a toehold can become a foothold that becomes a stronghold. So, guy that looks at porn every now and then, that's a toehold. He continues to look at it, it grows into something, that's a stronghold. So a toehold can lead to a foothold, can lead to a stronghold. 
Same with drugs, same with alcohol. You ever wonder why these liquor stores say wine and spirits? You ever thought about that? It's no accident. Because you get involved in repeated alcoholism, drug use, you are giving ground to the enemy. Listen, this is not about legalism. It's about freedom and joy, though. Okay? Holiness from a pure heart is the way to keep the enemy at bay. But you mess with this stuff, you're giving legal ground to demons. So addiction, strongholds, spiritual passivity. By the way, and we'll get to this in a minute, that later in Luke 11, the house was swept clean. Demons came back. You ever read that? Went, Wait a minute, swept clean? It looks like they're gone. Guess what the little hidden manna is in that passage? It wasn't reoccupied. You can get rid of the demons, but then if you remain in passive land, and you just get passive, and you think, oh, they're gone, I'm good, but you don't refill the space, they'll come back. So you sweep it, you put it in order, but it needs to be occupied. If Satan comes to the Motel 6 of your life and sees no vacancy, that means there's full. There's people in the, in the room. The Holy Spirit's in the house. The Word is in the life. Then he can't get in. But if he sees vacancy sign, he's like, oh, goody. I get to go back there and I'm going to bring more with me. So passivity can give room to the enemy. I'll tell you a huge, huge, huge one. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, the person who's forgiven by God but then turns around and doesn't forgive, it says, God will turn you over to the tormentors. Whoa. That's the word, guys. I didn't write the book. I just try to tell you what it says. But in Matthew 18, unforgiveness can result in a person being delivered over to tormentors. I believe those are demonic spirits. This is probably one of the biggest areas. If there's anybody, anything, any sin against you that you're holding, I'm never going to forgive them. Man, you just gave room to the enemy right there. So forgiveness is a huge one. Ungodly music, what you put into your mind, music is a powerful tool. Why is praise and worship so important in the life of the believer, in the life of a church? God created music. God created it to be the, the avenue of praise unto Him. You take that, you twist that, you, you do listen to all this ungodly music that glorifies the enemy, that stimulates the flesh, etc., etc. You're giving ground to the enemy, I'm telling you. Again, it's not about legalism, but it is about freedom and obedience. Ungodly shows and movies, excessive violence and stuff. I mean, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You're just opening that gate. Sexual sin is a huge one. 1 Corinthians 6 puts sexual sin in a different category. Sin is sin, but sexual sin, there can, I'm just going to tell you the way it is because I know this for a fact. If you are involved in sexual immorality... It opens the door to the enemy. And if the person in which you are engaged in sexual immorality with already has demons in their life, those can transfer to you. 
They can. I'm just telling you. I've seen this many times. Physical objects. You go on a trip overseas, you bring back a little statue of Buddha. You think it's just an innocent little token. There could be a curse placed on that object that can cause havoc in your home. I've seen this over and over. When people get rid of objects, freedom comes. You say, what's the biblical basis? I'll give you one. Acts chapter 19, they burned items used in magic arts. Acts 19 says they brought the objects that had been used in magic arts, that's demonic occult stuff, and they burned them. They got rid of them. Unbiblical doctrine. Paul says don't give in to the doctrine of demons. Good. So, even having unbiblical doctrine can give open door to the enemy. I don't know if you saw on social media the Sparkle Creed. It's a church. I googled last night, where is this church located where the Sparkle Creed was given? It is the most pagan, ungodly, unbelievable thing I've ever heard in my life. In a church, we believe in the non-binary God who has plural pronouns. And it went on and on and on, and it was just... It's a church in Edina, Minnesota, 200 yards from the church I was the college pastor of for four years. I know exactly where this church is. The doctrine of demons, that's what that is. So all of this is kind of sobering, isn't it? Well, it should be. Because Christians have been too slack when it comes to this important topic. Paul said, I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices, 2 Corinthians 2.11, yet most Christians are. So the next point's huge. It's really good news. Number three, Jesus came to set the captives free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Yes! Thank you, Lord! This week, we celebrate our independence and freedom as a nation. Fireworks are going to be shot off. I pray fireworks will go off in this place today because a greater freedom takes place called freedom of our soul, freedom of our body, freedom of our spirit. Freedom in our homes. Freedom in our relationships. Hallelujah. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus is in this passage delivering somebody from a demon. He can do it. He did it then. He did it throughout the book of Acts. He's done it throughout history. And He's doing it today. Hallelujah. We had a testimony. Victoria has been set free because she yielded to Jesus. Isaiah 61, He said He came to set the captives free. 1 John 3 and 8, Jesus said He came to destroy the works of the devil. In the Lord's Prayer, He says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. John 10 and 10, the rest of that verse, but I have come that you might have life. You, you might have life. You might have life. You might have life. You might have life. Every one of you, He came to suffer, die, shed His blood to give you life to the fullest. Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for Satan's will. Don't even settle for lukewarm Christianity. Jesus came to set you free and to give you abundant life. The fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Hebrews chapter 2 shows us how He won the victory. It's all about the cross, beloved, since the children have flesh and blood. He too shared in their humanity. He became a man. So that by His death, 
he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And free, say free. Free, Free. say it again, free. free. Those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So now we go back to our worldview diagram. Look now. Ephesians chapter 1 says Christ is seated far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Ephesians 2.6 says we are seated with Him in heavenly places. Beloved, you may live in that bottom realm physically, but here's where you live spiritually. <laughs> seated with Christ in the heavenly places. This is your spiritual position if you're saved. If you're not saved today, you better get saved. Man, if you leave this room today unsaved, yeah, I like, mm, whoever said that, mm, say it again. Yeah, come on. If you're a born-again, spirit-bought, blood-sanctified believer today, this is your spiritual position. And because this is your spiritual position, this is what gives you authority over the demonic realm. So we don't fight toward victory. i got to beat Satan out. You fight from victory. Big difference. You fight from the victory you have through Jesus Christ. His blood, His death, His resurrection, His name that's above every name. And so that's what it means to have authority. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I give you the keys. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. A key is only as good as the door you put it in. This does no good to open any door if I just let it sit here. Many Christians have their keys just sitting on their dashboard and they're wondering why the car doesn't start. Well, you got to put it in. you got to open the door. you got to use it. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, listen carefully. Here's how it works. Jesus won the victory by His death, resurrection, shed blood, and ascension. Jesus won the victory. Satan is defeated. But he's not annihilated. We're in a battle here on earth whereby we learn to overcome through prayer and obedience. And learning to use the weapons God has given us. We have authority over Satan and demons because of our position in Christ. Not our own, but who we are in Him. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is He, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's in us, than He, Satan and demons, that's in the world. A policeman has the authority to stand and stop traffic. So he has the badge of authority. A, a person with a search warrant has the authority to go in and take what's in that house. You've been given authority in Jesus' name. And that is why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8, Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, but resist him. Ephesians 5, put on the full armor. And the key passage when it comes to deliverance is this. James 4.7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Both have to be done. If you don't submit to God and you try to resist the devil, you'll be like those in Acts chapter 19. Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Who are you? And they got stripped naked and fled. 
demons whooped up on them because they thought it was just some magical formula they can use. They had not submitted to Jesus. This is not, play, this is not a playful magical formula that I'm about to give you. You first submit to God, yield to God, surrender to Jesus, repent of your sin. Then you can resist. You submit to God, yield to the Lord, surrender to Him. Then, in the name and blood of the cross of Christ, I command any demonic spirits that have had control of my life or influenced me, be gone in Jesus' name. You can do that because of the victory of Jesus. But both are so important. So where today do you need to submit? God's convicting you, showing you some areas that you've given ground to the enemy. You've opened the door to Satan. You've allowed demonic influence in your life. You need to repent of that today. Surrender that to Jesus. Yield that to Jesus. Confess that to Jesus. And when you do, He forgives. He's eager. Praise God. He's gracious and merciful. And He forgives us of all of our sins. Then you're in a position whereby you can resist. But first, you have to submit. Both are necessary. All right. Now, how do you maintain that freedom once you get it? Number four, lasting victory requires God's constant presence and power. And here's the part of the passage where it says, seven demons come back and re-inhabit the place. So, initial deliverance is one thing. Listen, lasting freedom is another. Getting rid of a demon is great. Keeping it away is even better. <laughs> Ever known an addict who gets sober, then relapses? Happens all the time. It's because he opened the door again. That house must be reoccupied. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Word of God. Filled with fellowship. Filled with obedience. Filled with abiding. That's hard work. But when you do it, God blesses and you stay free. You stay free. And Satan comes and sees the sign at the motel. No vacancy. Because <laughs> that house is full of God. And full of His Word. And full of obedience. And full of abiding. Alright, one more thing. Why do demons like dry, arid places? In verses 24 to 26, it talks about they leave, they seek after dry and arid places, and then they don't find it, and then they come back. This sent me on a little journey this week. Listen closely. So he, they want to be in dry and arid places. I looked up the word arid in the Greek, and it literally means desolate, no life. It's dry, there's, there's no vibrancy. And then one of the lexicons even said, this is why there's so many legends and so many cultures that in the, in the desert, in the dry land, are where wild animals and demons live. This is where it comes from. Then I remembered that in Mark chapter 5, Jesus cast the demon out of the guy, the legions of demons, and they request to go into the pigs. And at first you're like, why did he give them what they wanted? Well, it was a trick. Jesus had the upper hand. He sent them into the swine, but then what happened to the swine? Jesus made the pigs go into the what? Water. See. So then I ran into an awesome old article by David Wilkerson, one of my old favorites. Title of the article is Demons Can't Swim. <laughs> I love it. They love dry, arid places because there's no life. There's no, it's just dead. And they hate water because what does the Bible say about water? Water is the Holy Spirit who lives in us like rivers of living water. Psalm 1, the person who meditates on the Word, will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. 
They love dry, arid. They hate water. Demons can't swim. Then I got to thinking... I have known people delivered of demonic spirits in the baptismal waters. One of the testimonies coming out of Dawsonville is not only physical healings in the baptismal waters, but people getting delivered of demonic spirits. Just maybe there's a connection. Because demons hate water. Because it's life and it's vibrancy and it's the Holy Spirit. Spiritual warfare, Holy Spirit. Come on. So, I'm going to walk you through a prayer of deliverance, because I'm a believer in self-deliverance. There's a place when a person can cast a demon out of another person if they're completely helpless. But my desire as a pastor is to disciple from the pulpit, to equip you as believers to do self-deliverance. You have the tools necessary to get rid of demons in your life. Now, if you need help, if you need assistance, we're here for you. But it's better if I teach you how to get rid of demons in your life because then you can do that whether I'm with you or not. You don't always need somebody. Now, again, if you run into a barrier, if, you're in a, if you run into opposition, we'll give you that assistance. But here's a prayer to pray that covers the bases and it's on your notes as well. And I'm going to give you time to do this. First, you begin by, Lord God, thank you for your great love, power, and victory in Jesus. And by the way, you need to pray this out loud. Demons can't read your mind. Okay? So you don't have to shout. They're not hard of hearing either. <laughs> but it is important that you do this out loud. Okay? So I'm going to encourage you in a minute to spread out in the room, get a place where, or just kneel. This is a great, kneel where you are and just pray into the back of your seat. But you need to do this verbally. I surrender my life to you. That's not a soft statement. Don't say it if you don't mean it. I want to be completely free. Show me any ground Satan has in my life. And that's where you're quiet. You're open to the Lord. You write down anything He shows you. You may need to continue this this afternoon. This could be your own sin. It could be ancestral sin. It could be from that list I gave you. Then you, I confess and renounce, name every one of them, I confess and renounce bitterness towards so-and-so, I forgive them. I confess and renounce that, that game I played, uh, that seance I went to, that Ouija board. I confess and renounce the sin of sexual immorality with so-and-so. If you've never done that, you need to do that. You need to cover the base. Then, I command any demons to leave me and go where Jesus sends you. Or you can just say, the Lord rebuke you. I command any demons to leave me and go where Jesus sends you. And then, refill the space. Lord God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if you feel a compelling to be baptized today, I'm going to call for baptisms as well. So come up and see me if you say, man, I want to declare today my submission to God and my renouncing the devil by being baptized because I just want to do everything I can to make sure there's no presence of the evil one in my life. We've got a bunch of towels here for that. Wish we had time for Q&A. We don't. But we'll do part two next week. You can email me questions, 
this week, and I'll be sure to address them. And we will have time for Q&A next week. So, Father, we thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Oh, God, we bless you. Thank you for the victory of the cross. We glory in the cross today. And now, by the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, I pray blessings over this body of believers, those watching online. Holy Spirit, just come and direct each person as they go now to prayer. And may many captives be set free today. Right here in this room, on their own later today, whatever it takes. So I want to encourage you to get in a place, in a position, a posture, where you can go through this prayer. Many of you will want to kneel where you are, just spread out in the room. But again, it's so important that you pray this out loud. You don't have to scream and shout, but you do need to do this verbally. Get in a place where you can do that. Put that prayer in front of you. It'll stay on the screen. Encourage you to walk it through as much as you're able. And if anybody here feels that they should be baptized as a way of submitting to God and resisting the devil, you come and see me here up front. So Holy Spirit, take control of this time. We bind Satan in Jesus' name. I want our prayer team to be Standing along the sides, please. And if you need assistance, they are here for you. If you experience some, you know, some opposition, need some reinforcement, that's what the body of Christ is for. Either raise your hand and flag them to come to you or go up to them. They're here to kind of be that support. Prayer team, as you're waiting, just be in prayer, please. This is a very important time. Let's honor the sanctity of this time. This is super crucial. Do business with God. Pray and gain the freedom that He came to give you.